This week's podcast is sponsored by the League for the Rehabilitation of Fantasy Villains. From Lord Soth to Bargle the Infamous, Wenger to Verminard, and Vecner to Artemis and Terry. The League promises to rebrand, reform, and relaunch your murderous career into something softer and more suited to the modern world. Hmm... Maybe I should join. I'm more villainous than all of them put together. Which of them made a giant rat colossus, huh? Huh? All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I, as always, am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ. Peter is still in Peru, still searching for that elusive marmalade sandwich. Uh, and uh, in his place, we have uh, we have uh, my friend Shane Stacks back again to cover for Peter. Hi, Shane. Hello, hello. And hello. Uh, I'm curious, Russ, is if if he finds the perfect marmalade sandwich, is he going to keep it under his hat? <laughs> what I'm worried about is if he finds the perfect marmalade sandwich, he might stay in Peru. He might stay in Peru. <laughs> right. Shall we do some RPG news? Let's, let's, just for a ch- just for a change. Yeah. Well, if we must, we don't have to. No. I'm just trying to. Uh, Peter usually either says if we must or go on then. So I think yeah. last week I said go on then. <laughs> So we're going with if, with, with, with if we must this week. <laughs> if we must. <laughs> if we must. All right. So the first bit of RPG news I have here is Fantasy Grounds has released the stats for the top played RPGs over the last 12 months on its platform. Well, now this is interesting. I just want to point out, usually we get this from um, the Roll20 uh, through whatever that service is that reports that, I think this is the first time I've ever heard the fantasy grounds. Stuff. Oh no, they they do it, they do it every quarter as well. Do they? Okay, so, yeah, yeah. I, t- I tend to report on both. Oh, do you? Okay. Uh, uh, so yeah, basically they they kind of leapfrog each other well, every quarter. I'm gonna, let me take a wild guess. What's in first place? Go on. You'll <laughs> never. You'll uh, never guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm 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 sensing the numeral five. <laughs> Fifth edition of Shadow Run. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's obviously what it must be. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's interesting? Yes, you are obviously correct. Five um, yeah. E D and D Fifth Edition is in first place at seventy percent of the market. Amazing. Um, that's up from sixty nine percent last year. It's a juggernaut. And then it was something like sixty four percent the year before, and something like fifty percent, fifty five percent the year before. So every year you think it can't possibly get bigger, and every year. Somehow it does, and then and then the next thing you know, Wendy's is putting out an RPG, and then so, Wendy's is putting yeah. out an RPG. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Pathfinder is coming in uh, second place, pretty much as you'd expect. Now this is nine. Pathfinder's two E or one E? One uh, uh, E. Wow. Original Pathfinder. Okay, right. is coming in second place at nine percent. Then we've got Savage Worlds, uh, Starfinder, D and D three point five, and then everything else in this tiny sliver of thirteen percent. Wow. So is there, uh, within that tiny sliver, what do we have? What, Star Wars? Uh, what's it, does it, is it giving you? The, is it breaking well, down the, the, the Well, the largest thing in that tiny sliver is Pathfinder 2E. Okay. So Pathfinder 2E is, you know, 
well, this is for the last year, bear in mind. Oh, the last Chewy. year, right. Okay, yeah, Pathfinder right. 2E only launched, what, two months ago, three okay, months ago. right. So... Well, that's pretty yeah, interesting they made it in, even then, if it was yeah, in the past yeah. year. If they do yeah. this again next year, I'm sure it'll be way, way bigger. But, yeah, so Pathfinder 2E is the biggest thing in that little sliver. Uh, and then we have AD&D. Wow. Uh, we have D&D 4th Edition. Lots of versions of D&D tend to dominate right. that small sliver, like, right. especially if you count Pathfinder as one of the, as a version of D&D. I, I, I count... I count- Pathfinder 1E as is a version. Pathfinder 2E sounds more like its own thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's moved a little further away from the from the original. And then we've got Star Wars, GURPS, uh, various bits and pieces, uh, all sort of down at the sort mm. of, you know, single-digit percentages. Yeah. I don't know. I love that stuff. Every time... I can't remember the name of the group that releases the uh, Roll20 stats. I mean, I just I always spend a lot of time. The Or Group. The Or Group. I, I, I yeah. don't know why, but I love I love looking at all that. And I always, personally, I try to find, because they're based here in Little Rock, I always try to find the Castles and Crusades statistic, because they're always, mm. they're always in, usually in the sliver somewhere. So Yeah, they're in, yeah, they're in the sliver here. So we got, what do we do? We go, we go, uh, Pathfinder, if, we, if you ignore their core RPG thing, which is their, um, their, their, their package for uh, games that they don't have a specific module for. So it's kind of like a big other thing. Right. So that's, that's, that's the biggest thing in there. But if you ignore that, you go Pathfinder, then you go AD&D, 4E, Star Wars, GURPS, and then Castles and Crusades. Followed by the Cypher system. The, which I like both. I, Castles and Crusades is, is a fun system. You know, it was one of the first OGL, SRD, uh, games out there uh it actually predates uh pathfinder actually they were one of the first to jump out there mm-hmm. uh and then also cypher system i haven't played cypher system itself but i love numenera i'm, I'm actually a, mm. a pretty big fan of numenera so it's, it's a good system so yeah and that carnival row thing from a couple of weeks ago oh that was right yeah cypher too wasn't it what was interesting it was cypher system and and i was like you and Peter, I was like, man, that get, they got that out quick because <laughs> that that show's yeah. only been on TV for like two weeks or on yeah, streaming I, I, or whatever. I, yeah, I, I suspect they started it a yeah. bit further. So, oh, Mike Myers, vast caviar, caviar. I forgot how we agreed we were saying that. It was K A V I. Yeah, vast caviar. Caviar, caviar, yeah. I think caviar, caviar, something like that. Anyway, Mike Myers, vast caviar, D and D setting. Yes, has launched on Game on Tabletop. Yes, I, I think I was like his second backer, so uh, I'm actually really interested. One, I like Mike anyway; he does cool yeah. stuff. I've had him on my show a couple of times, um, but you know, listening to his description of what the setting is uh, on on your show a couple of weeks ago, it's really interesting. It's like it's like swords and sorcery, Conan, crazy mm. uh, pulp kind of D and D, and I thought it sounded really fun. So um, I think it might be suffering a bit for not being on Kickstarter, though. Yeah, uh, game on tabletop is uh, it's 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 kind of a a one stop shop for crowdfunding for tabletop RPGs. Mm. So I, I think it'll eventually be big, but for now, yeah, it's 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 pretty niche compared to Kickstarter. How, yeah. how, what, what are the numbers? Uh, so at the moment he's got 21 days left yeah. he's got 15 backers uh, $723 uh, 
raised of two and a half thousand. So okay. he's a third, third of the way there. Well, I definitely third of the way hope, there, and he's about yeah. a third of the way through his campaign, so it's going to be close. Well, I definitely hope he makes it. In fact, I think, no, not I think, I know that he had been asking uh, to do something with me to talk about it, and my show's mm. on hiatus right now due to American football, not football, and uh, I think we're doing a live stream tonight, if I remember right. Sometime this week we're doing a live stream to talk about it, so hopefully that'll help. I think it's an I think it's a neat campaign. So, uh, you know, I hope people support it. And it's, it's got some very reasonable, uh, pledge levels. You don't, you know, you yeah. don't have to, you don't have to, uh, mortgage your house to, to get yeah. a copy. So it's like you and I are two of the backers. Yeah. 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 I jumped in pretty quick. So, um, but yeah, I, th- I think you're right. It's, it's, you know, jumping on a, a platform that, I mean, they, they claim they've raised like, 15 or 16 million dollars for tabletop games if you go to their website mm. but you know it's still it's still pretty niche compared to kickstarter most people don't there think, was that pathfinder you know. kingmaker thing yeah they did that on game on tabletop you know they were doing a fifth edition version, version of, of the pathfinder kingmaker adventure path uh-huh. And they did that on Game on Tabletop. That Game on Tabletop, and I think that did something like four or five hundred thousand. Yeah, you got, but I mean, you got that built-in, you know, Paizo marketing arm or Pi, you know, Pathfinder, whatever. Whereas, well, not whatever. I mean, there, there's just you know, there's there's inertia behind Pathfinder mm. online, word of mouth. Whereas, uh, if somebody that's not Paizo is on Game on Tabletop. You're losing some of that discoverability yeah, exactly, yeah. on, on Kickstarter. So, but well, I, I mean, I'll definitely help Mike. I, you know, I want him. I want his campaign to succeed. So, I've got some good news and I have some bad news. Ooh. So the good news is the Swedish sci-fi RPG of 1980s suburbia, Tales from the Loop, uh-huh. was was made free. Ah. In order to celebrate their most recent um, source book which is called Out of Time as a campaign module. So I, I'm sensing that this was this was good news to some people. It's, well, it's good, it was good news <laughs> to everybody who downloaded it while it was free. Which it's bad, I would, news to, <laughs> bad news to anybody who didn't because yeah, it's, it's no longer, it yeah, no it longer was free. On, it was only free for like 24 hours, if I remember right. Well, they said 24 hours. It actually stayed yeah. free for about three days. Did it really? Well, I'll tell yeah. you, there, there were two drive through RPG-related news items that um, I have to thank your editor, Daryl, that I knew anything about. One was that, because uh, he posted them in, in the Morris's unofficial RPG talk podcast uh, Discord. People <laughs> should go hang out in the Discord. One was the, one was Tales from the Loop being free uh, to celebrate that source book, so I went I went and grabbed a copy. So mm. Yeah, I, I did too, yeah. Um, so there's, uh, there was another free thing out this week uh again no longer free sorry um, but um so okay this is there's a bit of a story behind this so i got this press release about a week ago and it was entitled um andrew mcneil's publishing and drive through rpg create a revolutionary new rpg format in big bold letters bold that was the t- yeah, that was the title of the uh, of the press release. It was so bold, it had like Texas barbecue sauce on the grill. Exactly, exactly. Yes, it was exactly. bold. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And what this RPG format is, it's called uh, a phone format. So they take a PDF and completely reformat it to be read just on a 
you know, a handheld mobile device rather than a tablet. Which is, you know, fine, okay. Right. So uh, I was like, I posted the press release and tweeted that I posted the press release. And drive to RPG immediately responded to me and said, um, actually, uh, no, we created it. So it turns out that Andrews McNeil Publishing did not make it, despite the fact that their press release claims they did. Oh. <laughs> and uh, it was created by drive to RPG. And uh, they, do you remember that Pugmire game with the dogs? I, I, I'm familiar with hearing about it. I've, I've never played it or anything. So, so they, cre- they created a sort of, uh, you know, prototype, you know, concept um, version of the game with Pugmire. Uh, okay. the, of the format with Pugmire and uh, released that for free. Right. Uh, but um, after that, they invited a handful of publishers to do the same. And Andrews McNeil Publishing was one of those handful of publishers. Now, Andrews McNeil Publishing publishes Zweihander. Yes. You know, the... Uh, so I, I, I keep hearing people talk about Zweihander, but I don't I don't know anything about Zweihander. But I see, you know, people on, on, on your Discord and other places talk about it fairly often. So, or, or more often than you would expect for a you know, lesser known RPGs. So. I don't know. I don't know an awful lot about it, except right. that I think it's uh, a kind of um, tribute to Warhammer fantasy roleplay. Oh, okay. Yeah. In some it's, way. It's a 672 page dark fantasy RPG. Yeah. And it was the 2018 winner at Gen Con for best game and product of the year. So that's, this is from that press release that you mentioned. Yeah. So, so, so anyway, yeah, they, they sent out this press release saying that they'd invented this RPG format. Drive through RPG contradicted me when I posted that on Twitter, uh, and have since posted their own press release, which gives the actual version of events. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was, a, it was a weird kind of, I don't know. It was just like, it's very strange. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, let's see what the uh yeah, the the press release that you received says leading role playing game RPG retailer drive through RPG and I'm reading this from rpgnews.com. Yeah. So But if if you read um, up above that in the big yeah, bold writing, yeah. AMP and drive through RPG right. create, a, create revolution. a revolution. That's the that's the heading of the press release. Right. And then the very first paragraph says drivethroughrpg.com and Andrews McMeal Publishing are pleased to announce an exciting new format. Yeah. Um, well, you know, if you read this, they're not exactly saying they invented it. They're saying we worked with, so they're, they're doing a little, uh, they're doing a little, uh, wordsmithing here to, you know, but yeah, it sounds like drive through definitely wants the credit for this new format. And, and, and to be honest, I think it's a, it's a really smart idea because I think that, uh, players and GMs are increasingly, looking stuff up on their phones while they're playing. Yeah. So yeah. if you if you have a if you have a PDF format that's optimized for the phone, you know, that's that's a good thing. You know, I, I that's a win. So mm. uh and I and I will say that I, I mean I still love my RPG books. And I like to have books at the table, but you know, I'm slowly being won over to having electronic copies of my games. And you know, drive through RPG is no small part in that. Yeah, you know? no, I like having a I like having an iPad at the table. Yeah, but having a PDF open still isn't as fast as flipping through a book. The only and also you can only have one open as well. Right, you can't you, you know unless you've got multiple multiple iPads, which I have not. You know, right. you can have like a, a little stack of books open at the pages you need. That's just right. not as easy to do with a with a tablet, is it? 
Uh, right. It still has its fallbacks, or not fallbacks. It still has its its flaws compared to you know the uh, the book, the tradition. Pardon me, the traditional book. Where where I find uh, having a phone or a laptop or uh, an iPad handy is when you need to look up something quick. Mm. You know, so you can control F and search or or whatever. But I still prefer to have the actual book. You know. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. for for multiple reasons, um, but you know, as a, as a backup source, or if, if I'm running a one shot and I can get the PDF fifty percent cheaper than the book, you know, or whatever, then I'll probably get the PDF for a know? one shot, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, drive through RPG is is slowly winning me over with with electronic resources. What I really like is if you can buy. What I would love to see. Is if you buy the book, it comes with a code, you know, for the electronic copy. That would mm. be great, you know. But well, on, well, on yeah. Drive Through RPG, that happens a lot. If they you buy the book, and you get the you get the PDF for free. I think that's quite common these days to uh, yeah. to do that. Well, one thing I don't like, and this this isn't Drive Through RPG. I'm going to move over to D and D Beyond. Yeah, Hudson's really back there going crazy. Yeah, <laughs> Hudson, those cushions aren't cheap. <laughs> uh, one thing I definitely don't like, uh, and, and I, and I kind of refuse to do it, is I'm not going to pay full price, for example, for an adventure for D&D, and then turn around and pay the same price on D&D Beyond. Yeah, I, I'm I not doing that. I haven't that, spent a penny on D&D Beyond either. No, yeah, I mean, I, I think D&D Beyond is a good resource, uh, but, there, but there's no way I'm spending, I'm paying twice you know, for like the player's handbook or whatever, but for what D and D beyond does, it's good. You know, it, it does a good job of it. So, uh, right. We have some pathfinder news. All righty then. So coming up soon is the game mastery guide for pathfinder second edition. Is that going to be the actual name of it? The game mastery guide? Yes. Okay. Uh, and, Paizo have released the creature creation, the monster building rules from that as a free PDF you can download now in advance. So it's like an entire chapter, I guess, of, of the book. Nice. Um, it's, it's quite interesting because I had a quick glance at it. The monster building rules remind me a lot of 4E. And I think if... I know people sort of say Pathfinder 2E is a bit like 5E and it's a bit like 4E and it's a bit like this and a bit like that. If, the, if there is any similarity to 4E... It's in the monster design, I would, I would say. Okay. At least to me. I mean, they, they sort of do what... Uh, do you recall the monster design in 4E? Where they have the different roles, like the striker and the controller and the... Mm, now, 4E is... I'm one of those people that 4E, I completely... I know nothing about. I, I've listened to some actual play. Like, I'm intimately familiar with every edition of D&D except 4E. Ah. I, just, I just didn't mess with it. So you could sort of create, a, in 4E, you could sort of create a creature by saying, right, I know that this is going to be a level 10 um, striker. And that will give you a baseline set of stats for it. Okay. And then, you, then you can tweak those stats. Or you can say, this is a level 5 uh, brute. Or so they're is, like templates? or Yeah, archi- yeah, yeah basically, okay. yeah. All right. yeah. All right. um, and, um, yeah, it makes creating monsters in 4E. And I think it's one of the things that 4E did best. Really, really, really easy. And it looks like Pathfinder 2E's taken a, a leaf out of that book. Right. Well, that's that's cool. I mean, I 
I think that for a lot of myself included, you know, we, we see the, the, the monster creation or how do you make a monster? Is this esoteric, you know, mm. like, uh, really hard to understand thing. Uh, and, and if, if anything RPGs can do to make that more accessible for DMs and GMs, I think is great. So, mm. um, you know, cause I, you know, I went through and read how, how they do it in 5e and I was like, oh, that's, that's really less complicated than I would have thought. Yeah. You know, once you, once you see how they're doing it, uh, which made me a lot more comfortable with reskinning or tinkering around mm. with, uh, you know, monsters or whatever. I suspect if you go back to 1e, you'll find that there was a lot less actual sort of, you know, <laughs> spreadsheeting involved. Yeah, no, it. they were just slapping stuff together, man. <laughs> That's part of what I love about 1E is just the old West cowboy nature of it. It was just, mm. yeah, whatever, put it out there and let's see what happens. And, mm. you know, it was fun, you know? I mean, you've got, you've literally got two different init- official initiative systems in 1E. You know, why not? So let's go for it. All right, what else we got in the news? Uh, we got... Paizo have announced a slew of new staff members across several different departments. They've got a new art director, a new Starfinder lead designer, several new developers and designers for Pathfinder and Starfinder, a new editor. Just, I mean, there's not... I'm not going to go and list everybody, but there's, they've hired a lot of people. Well, that's... A, good, because the RPG industry isn't as big as some people might think. So mm-hmm. more people getting jobs, you know, in the industry is great. Uh, it also, I mean, you don't do that unless you foresee stability or growth in your industry. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. that's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else have we got? Oh, would you know Owen Stevens left Paizo a few weeks, a while back, moved across the country, and then... Yeah, and then, and then immediately lost his job. Yeah. Yeah. What is his wife's job? He, he followed her because okay. she, she got a job. But, um, yeah, she immediately lost that job because Lone Wolf decided to downsize. Right. Um, so, they... He, I think... Was he the Starfinder lead designer? I can't remember, but... Something I like that, that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so they've hired a new Starfinder lead designer to to replace him, I guess. I was kind of hoping that there would be a tangent on that news item that he's back at Paizo. Yeah, I guess that would involve moving all the way back to Seattle again. And they've literally just moved, gotten a house and, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's not not a trivial thing to do, is it? It's it's really not, and and I don't know him or his wife personally, but you know I feel their pain. It's like, right? Yeah. But sometimes in life, that bank shot you into over into something cool, you know. Mm. So hopefully, like a year later, they'll be like, yeah, it sucked at the time, but it's it actually turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to us. Well, now well, one thing, X, one thing yeah. that is cool is he's starting to write a column on my site. Yay! I, I don't think that's going to turn his fortunes around in any way. Yeah. <laughs> but, and the, you know, it's... And the, uh, and the first column is pros and cons of uprooting and moving <laughs> yeah, past country yeah, to take an yeah. RPG job. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm hoping that's going to start next next month. And, um, yeah, because I've got... I've got now? I've got Ed Greenwood. I've got Jim Ward. I've got... Um, yes. Uh, Rob Koontz is now, is now on board. Um, you know, loads loads of people. That is that is good stuff, and I did go read. That was almost eerie, or not eerie, but uncanny. The uh, the coincidence that right when we were recording about computer RPGs, Jim Ward 
dropped his history of how the Pool of Radiance game happened. Yeah. Which, yeah. which is a really interesting article, I'll tell you. As much as, I mean, I'm pretty well versed in the history of computer role playing games. Mm. I'd never heard that side of it. I'd it's never interesting heard. Yeah, you kind of see it from the other side, yeah. don't you? Yeah. From, yeah. Yeah. He actually had to sell it, you know? And because and, and they weren't really interested. So he had to do all the legwork to make it happen. It's also yeah. interesting that they turned down a much, much bigger deal. Yeah. Because they felt the uh, SSI, you know, had the passion and, the, and knew the product better. I, I think the passion, what, what I read between the lines in the article was that the passion sold the, the, the rank and file, but what sold the executives was SSI was going to put out more games right, within okay. a year. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why that was important to the executives, but more games within a year was evidently more important than a big check. So yeah, maybe well, they mean, were one residuals. I, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. So there's some really cool columns on, uh, on Ian world or Russ's. What is it now? Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG, RPG news. news. Right. Even I had to think for a second. <laughs> right. Greg Stafford. You know, he died a year ago. Yes. It's the one year anniversary. And Chaosium, uh, in honor of this, they're giving away five different adventures, one for each of five different game sti- uh, systems Stafford was involved in, um, just so that gamers can see sort of how much influence, like the breadth of influence he had on the industry. So there's um, uh, something for Call of Cthulhu, something from Seventh Sea, something from King Arthur Pendragon, something from RuneQuest, and something from HeroQuest Glorantha. So it's five That's different, very cool. Five different adventures. You can download them in PDF, uh, and they're going to be free until October the 31st. So... So they're free as of now through? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a great, that's a great thing. Yeah, yeah. I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's about it. Have you got any more news? Because I think that's about it. Uh, I did have... Um, it's not exactly news, but it's new. I've, uh, I've got the Cyberpunk Red uh, Jumpstart Kit. Ooh. Uh, still in the shrink wrap. Shiny. If you want. Yeah, look at, look at the light. Look at the light yeah. glinting off a of that shrink wrap. Yes, oh, it yeah. says, welcome to the dark fi- future. So if you want to take like, I don't know, five minutes or something. Yeah, and, let's, and, let's, and, yeah let's, let's unbox this puppy. Let's unbox it. Yeah, so it's it's from uh, from on the back there, the logos and whatnot. say uh, Talzorian Games and CD Projekt Red. And the project number or the product number is CR3000. So uh, this is... Cyberpunk Red. It used to be what? 2077? 2177? Mm. Something like that. And this is the starter that, kit, is it? Yeah, this yeah. is the starter kit. Uh, I picked it up at my friendly local game store for $30, which would be what? About 20 something quid? Who something even like knows these days? It changes days. every day. Right now. All right. So uh, the Cyberpunk Red Jumpstart Kit is the perfect introduction to the newest edition of the classic Cybertunk table. T- Cybertunk, Cyberpunk. I want to play a Cybertrunk. Cybertunk, <laughs> yeah, Cybertrunk. Uh, Cyberpunk um, tabletop role playing game and includes one booklet with all the essential roles needed to play, one booklet full of world lore and adventures to run, six customizable characters, a set of Cyberpunk themed dice, two d ten, two. D10s and four D6s and maps and standees. So here we go. I'm going to pop this open. The cover art's pretty nice. It's you no know, nice dystopian, you know, grays and little splash of color in there. 
Sounds like you get quite a lot for your for your money there. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm 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 getting really sold on these starter kits because it's a good way for thirty bucks or twenty bucks or mm. however much it is to like I picked up the uh, the BattleTech starter kit for twenty bucks. Mm. I mean that's extremely reasonable, and you know it gives you enough to play a couple of sessions to see it. You know do you do you like it enough to invest real money in? Yeah. So, uh, cover art's nice. Okay, so you get some pretty sweet dice in there. I don't know if you can see those. I can, right. I can see those, but dice. they are they're like black and red uh, dice that are very cool. Um, they're very cyberpunky with the artwork um, and whatnot, and they're black with with red on top. Now these black things here are uh, uh, for the pawns. <clears throat> Yeah, Stand, so stands, yeah. yeah, it looks like that these are going to come with cardboard standees, mm -hmm. like the backs. And, you know, I like that because you can put a lot into a small space. Minis are great. What else do That's, we have? What else do we yeah, have? Yeah, looking. All right. It's so exciting. we got the... Nice book. We have the uh, the Cyberpunk Red Jumpstart Kit. That's so, amazing. If you turn that around again, that's amazing. I can actually see my own reflect. Turn it around. So can you really? So the black... Yeah. You can see I can your see, reflection I can see in the my black. own reflection. That's amazing. You, you are in cyberpunk red. Um, but so this is the world book that's got Welcome to the Time of the Red, Dark Future Countdown, every uh, a tour of the city of the future, a taste of the cyberpunk life, advice for the game master, a full ready-to-run adventure called The Apartment, and scream sheets. These are news articles and one-page adventures. Mm -hmm. Scream uh, sheets. Scream sheets. Scream? Yeah, they're just, scream or it looks scream. Like scream like uh, like ah! we all scream. Yeah, that kind of scream. Yeah, scream sheets. Did you like that? Did you like that scream? That was a, yeah, it's a good. Oh, scream. this is nice. They've got like little fake advertisements in there. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for yeah. for like future corporations and stuff. Uh, Segatari. So I guess it's like a mix of Sega and Atari. Um, so what's the difference between this and Shadowrun? What's the difference worldwise? Uh, the main difference... Well, hold on. There's one more. There's a rule book in here. Uh, uh, I will answer that here in a second. Um, the, the main difference is Shadowrun is... It, it, it's cyberpunk... With magic. With, with fantasy elements added. Yeah. So... Uh, you know, you've got, I think they call it the sixth world, mm. sixth age, something like that. Daryl would know. I mean, mm. he's, you know, he's, he's, uh, and maybe, hopefully, maybe he'll even edit in a footnote to explain better. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's Blade Runner, Cyberpunk, whatever. But then, uh, in, in, in the, in the lore of Shadowrun, cause I think Earth Dawn is actually yeah. set in the same world, yeah. right? Yeah. So magic. Yeah, you know, Earth, yeah, Earth Dawn's, the, Earth Dawn's the fourth world, isn't it? And then the fifth yeah, world is what like, we're currently in. Right. And the sixth and world the, is Shadowrun, I think. Right. Yeah. And, and sort of magic and magical creatures and all of that sort of rise and fall mm. in waves. Uh, and so suddenly our world awakened into the sixth world. Yeah. And so you get all the cool cyberpunk noir stuff plus trolls and dragons and and you know i mean you could play literally if you wanted to you know you could drop all the fantasy stuff from Shadowrun and play just the cyberpunk aspect if you wanted mm. uh, and then you have so continuing the tour we've got a rule book here um 
which, you know, one, one would think it would give you the basic rules for running the game. Um, and then you have all these cardboard cutouts, which I like a lot. Nice. I'm a big fan of cardboard cutouts. Ooh, vehicles, too. Yeah, you got vehicles in here. Yeah. And then you've got uh, a reference sheet. Now, you only get one of these. You know, a lot of times they'll come with, like, you have, like, four of them to hand out to different players or whatever. But you only get one reference sheet in here. And, and a bunch of character sheets. You get a bunch of character sheets. You got Torch, Mover, Racer, 40. She's a rocker boy. Uh, Grease, who's a fixer. And Red Eye, who's a netrunner. Uh, I'm sure those are archetypes or classes. And then you and then you get a map, a couple of maps. So it looks like that it's uh, tactical combat. That's a that's a square grid map. Um, situation that's good because it's actually really yeah. hard to come by decent sci-fi maps. Mm-hmm. There's, there's fantasy ones everywhere you look. You just like right. can't move for fantasy maps. But decent sci-fi and modern maps are a lot harder to come by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I you know for thirty dollars I think this is great. And I would definitely like to, you know, run this once or twice uh, and, and, get, and get a feel for it. So I never played. I know it has a special place in people's hearts. I never played the original Cyberchunk. 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 So we've gone Cyber from Cyberchunk. Cyber so yeah, I don't Cyber know what's trunk. going on there. I never played the original Cyberpunk 2077 or 21, whichever one it was. But I know a lot of people talk about it. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I love... I love cyberpunk stuff. I mean, you know, I love all of uh, William Gibson's novels, and mm. you know, um, I, I like the the genre, if you will. Right. I have got a last couple of quick bits of news. Actually, these are these are quick bits of self serving news. Okay. Uh, one is that uh, my EN publishing store is finally open for business. Woo! We've been spending the last two weeks trying to sync up the warehouse's inventory system. Yeah, with the store, with the online stores inventory system, and trying to get them to like talk to each other, right? Uh, and finally, finally, as of today, it's done, and you can now go on there and you can buy load of Judge Dread stuff. You can buy the Masterclass Codex for Five E, all sorts of stuff, and it's all synced up with the warehouse, so it will get shipped straight out. Nice. So, so that- is it? Um- can you? Is it just physical goods, or can people also get the PDF versions? And yeah, stuff, so and, it, so there's yeah. PDFs on there too, and uh, we have a general rule: anything you buy from us in physical format, you get the PDF for free as well. I I have nothing but uh, accolades for that that business plan. So uh, I'm going to try to sound awkwardly British here. Go on. Uh, are you hoping for lots of punters? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> oh, so my other bit of news uh, was I did another one-page adventure. I saw that. I saw that that you uh, emailed about that a day or two ago. Uh, so this so. is called uh, Desert on the Road. It's based on an adventure by Cole Grandall, and it's uh, this desert appears in the middle of this temperate land. <laughs> Shush. I don't think he likes that. No, he doesn't. So this desert appears in the middle of this temperate land, and it's being caused by this portal that's been opened to the plane of elemental fire. And uh, all these fire elementals and mephits and salamanders and stuff are coming through this portal, intent on taking over the world. 
and like there's this sort of scorching desert is starting to get bigger and bigger and bigger as the climate gets hotter and hotter and hotter and uh, the PCs have to go into this desert find this portal and basically shut the shut the portal down so is there, is, there, is there subtext of like all the local kingdoms are arguing over whether the desert is actually really growing <laughs> or not? I, I leave that bit to the players' imagination. <laughs> <laughs> well, if there's one thing, if there's one thing that I like almost as much as a good bit of rat smashing, is some method. It's some method smashing. So, yeah. Uh, well, that's great. So, uh, best of luck with your store. And, and all those, the, the teeming hordes of punters. And, um, and I, I'm curious, what, how's the reception going on your one page adventures? Cause I love stuff like that. You know, anything that's low prep, but high fun. I'm yeah, all really, I've got, uh, cause it's on Patreon, as you know, and I've got right. 300 patrons now. It's amazing. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. So I love it. I'm a, I'm a big fan. So, um, and I, and, you know, I like, like a lot of times I'll go to cons and if it's if it's an RPG specific con, mm-hmm. not you know just a geek con, sometimes the swag bag will have like a little bookmark, and the bookmark actually has like a little adventure on it or something idea, like yeah. that. And I, and I really I really like those, yeah. you know. So I've done twelve um, of these things so far. Yeah, which obviously isn't enough for a book, but when I've done like fifty, mm-hmm. which is probably like three or four yeah, years you could away, do it. I could compile yeah. all those into a book of one page adventures. Yep, but that's some way in the future. What would be cool is if, you know, it'd be like, well, you get up to 101, you can be like 101. For some reason, like book titles always, 101 uses for a banana peel or whatever. So there's only one, there's only one problem with this plan. It's going to take a long time to get Because I do one a month. (laughs) 101 (laughs) months. How long was that? It's like seven (laughs) years or something. You know, let's, you know, in, in these days, being factually correct is not, you know, as important as it may have been in other times. So, so I could say just, I could call it 101 adventures, and in fact, it will have 15. Well, just just do 50 and a half adventures and, and print them in two different languages. <laughs> well, just two different fonts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. Hey, it's 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 technically correct. <laughs> yeah, that's the best type of correct. Yeah, that's that's you're one. you're. You're darn tootin'. Uh, right, I think we are now finally done with the news. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Well, you know what time it is, don't you? Ah, yep, let me ju- You know, uh, I, I know it's time for our favourite game in all the world, but I can't find... My Parcheesi board. I looked all last night and I can't find it. Oh, we'll just have to play this Kickstarter game instead. Then, okay, won't we? <laughs> let's do that. I do have Chinese checkers, but I've never really liked Chinese checkers. So our favorite game in all the world, the game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try to guess what it is from just the name. And I give you a score based on a highly scientific and accurate spreadsheet. So let me see if I get this right. You give me the name of a Kickstarter, mm. and I try to guess what the game is by the name. <laughs> it's almost like it's. <laughs> it's almost like the rules are all in the name. Okay, I, I think maybe I can do this. Right, so let's then. give it a shot. Okay, all right, ready for the first one then. You know it. The first one is called Little Monster Detectives. Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I'm going to say that uh, this is this is a game intended for a younger audience. 
here's the rub. Are the detectives little monsters or is it little kids like doing like monster squad from the movie? You know, Wolfman's got nargs from the eighties. So, uh, little monster detectives. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be risky here and I'm going to say that you're actually playing little monsters that are detectives. So you're like a little, I don't, I don't know if it's, it's to the point where you're like a little Frankenstein, a little werewolf and a little whatever, but you're actually the monster and, uh, you're detecting something. I don't know if it's like blues clues or what. Uh, and it is a, it's a completely, it's its own role-playing system. It's, it's not a, you know, it's not riding on top of another system. Absolutely perfect. But wow. every single detail you just said is exactly correct. Wow. Like, and actually, I, I have no knowledge of that. Yeah. I was just completely shooting from the hip. Yeah, it's an original system. It's for kids of five and up. Uh, they play little monsters. And, um, yeah, they, oh, wow. and they detect. I'm kind of freaking myself <laughs> they out. D- they investigate <laughs> mysterious monster mischief. That sounds fun, though. It does. Is, is the art like? Is the art like cartoony? I got to look it up now. Little monster. Uh, um, yeah, kind of, kind of. Yeah, I got to look it up. Choose now. a monster from the book. Draw your monster, and you play the question oh, game. Fun. The list of things that monsters usually like or dislike, and then yeah. you answer a number of questions about your monster, like what color is it? Is it big or small? Is it fat or slim? Sure. Yeah, it's got fun art. Yeah, that looks like a fun little game. Yeah, so. I like how they describe that. Rather than creating a character, they call it discovering your monster. Yeah, discovering than, yeah. the monster. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so uh, you scored zero on the last one, but you definitely scored a million points on that one. Really? Yeah. Uh, nice. Mm. I'll take it. Okay, next one is... Do I want that one or do I want that one? Which one do I think? I know you know what route the tabletop role-playing game is, so I can skip that one. I think we're going to go with Heart, the City Beneath. How do you spell heart? Heart, as in heart, beating heart, heart. Okay, I was thinking, I was wanting to make sure it wasn't heart like a, like a, like a deer. All right, nope, nope. Heart, heart. Heart, heart like beneath. that thing that I do not have. What? <laughs> <laughs> Well, as you, as you stroke your cat like an evil supervillain, I expect you to die, Mr. Stacks. Yeah. Um, let's see. Heart, the city beneath. Uh, hmm. So the name of the city is Heart, and it's a supplement or setting for a sort of, again, a dark fantasy uh, touching on horror. Uh, it's, it's a resource. It's a setting for a city... Think of Lankmar, but underground, mixed with Gotham, and so it's 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 uh, a resource for, with adventures and colorful NPCs and stuff uh, for the city of Heart, which is somehow maybe under under an existing city, or the the complete city is is uh, underground, and it's it, again it's a it's a five E supplement or setting. Do you remember a game called Spire? I do. You had the designer yeah. on it. It sounded really interesting. Yeah. And so this is a core rule book, again, just like Spire, but it's set underneath that spire. It's an entire city, because the spire is an oh. entire city in a spire. Right, yeah. Right. And this is the under city underneath that spire. 
Uh, it says dungeon crawling story forward tabletop RPG. Uh, it says it focuses on what characters have to lose in pursuit of their dreams in the chaotic darkness beneath the world. Alrighty then, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think I think that the the name of it captures the atmosphere right because that's kind of the atmosphere I was thinking. Mm. You know, kind of a dark fantasy touching on horror, despair. Um, yeah, it sounds interesting. And I and I have to say that, you know, when when you interviewed the designer about Spire in general, the, the whole thing sounds It does really sound yeah, it does, it does. Um yeah, yeah Rowan Wook and Deck Rhonda can't talk. Rowan yeah. trying that again. Rowan Rook. That's really I wanna go Wook every time. Rowan Wook. Wook. <laughs> Rowan Rook and Deckard is the company name. Wook. It's it's it you know that's okay. I can't say cyberpunk and you can't say rook. <laughs> well, I can say rook on its own, but not immediately after I've said Rowan. <laughs> not, not Rowan rook. mixed in yeah. with everything yeah. else. I got you. Yeah. All right. All right. So five out of ten for that. I reckon you got about half right. So that gives you two million and five okay. points. All right. I'll, that's you know that's that's much much better than I could ever have hoped to uh, obtain when I when I woke up this it's morning. It's probably a, it's probably a show record. It's yeah. It's uh, I mean, I'm I'm almost kind of freaked out how close I nailed the little monster detective. That was if I didn't know better. Yeah. I know I know you weren't cheating. Yeah. I didn't know better. I'd have yeah. thought you were reading that out there, but no, you were spot. Yeah, you were spot wow. Spot. Yeah, that's that's kind of cr- not creeping me out, but messing <laughs> with my head a little bit. Yeah. Well, I guess that's it for our favorite game in all the world. I could declare you the winner. I'm here to play some Masters and Minions. Oh, well, we were just thinking of running a Shadowrun game. Feel like joining in? No, I only play Masters and Minions. Well, how about some traditional fantasy? A spot of D&D? No, I told you I only play Masters and Minions. Oh, come on. Look, how about Dread? Some tense existential horror with a Jenga tower as the rules mechanic. Nope. Masters and Minions is the only game for me. I'm not interested in any other game. Really? Just the one game? Well, okay. Masters and Minions it is, then. Uh, The game doesn't start for an hour yet. Why don't you sit down and watch some TV while we wait? Star Trek's on. Uh, Sorry, but I only watch The X-Files. I'm not interested in trying Star Trek. Right. Well, okay. I think The X-Files is on one of those streaming services. Hang on. Oh, is that the pizza? Pizza? I'm afraid I only eat cheese sandwiches. Okay. Only one game, one TV show, and one food, huh? Well, I'm sure I can fix you up with something. Sit yourself down. I can't sit there. I only sit on sofas. Do you not feel that perhaps you're limiting yourself a little? No, not at all. I like to stick with something I'm familiar with. Well, yeah, don't we all? But you'd be amazed at the amount of fun you can have with other TV shows. All my friends watch The X-Files. Yeah, I'm beginning to see the problem. I take it all your friends only eat cheese sandwiches too? Yes, of course. It's far too much effort to try to learn to make a different sandwich. You know, it's really not that much effort. Yeah, how about you let me make you a sandwich? A cheese sandwich? No, I was thinking perhaps ham and mayonnaise or a nice BLT. Mm, sounds like I'd have to make a lot of effort learning how to eat it. Honestly, mate, it's no effort. And think of all the doors it will open for you. Um, I only go through windows. You only go through windows? Yes. A window was the first portal my friends introduced me to, so I only go through windows. I see. Uh, you know we're on the fifth floor, right? Yes. 
Your point? Ah, no matter. Uh, so there's no way I can persuade you to indulge in a spot of cyberpunk gaming, superheroes, Victorian horror, or sci-fi action. Hmm. Are they are they powered by masters and minions? No, I I assume the designers felt that different genres could benefit from rule systems which emulate those genres more closely. But but you could play any genre with masters and minions. Sure. Yeah. 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 You sure can. But the intrinsic power race of masters and minions doesn't really suit Call of Cthulhu well. It's the idea isn't to gain levels until you can smite Cthulhu down with a two-handed laser axe. So what? do you do well you investigate and you creep around scared and eventually you either die or go insane usually where's the where's the fun in that look i think i'm gonna go head down to mega fritz's mega game mega store apparently they're running a mega masters and minions session so i'll be off through the window yes of course i told you i don't do doors Hudson, what's the topic of the week? What is it? What is it? What is the topic of the week? Oi! Don't do he's, that. He says me. 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 I am the topic of the week. I am the topic at all times. Yeah. So our topic of the week is silly but fun RPG rules exploits. Exploits. The ex- and not exploits like Errol Flynn swinging across the rope exploits, but exploits like a computer hack where you find interesting ways that the rules intersect and exploit them for ridiculous yeah, benefit. or where you take rules to their logical extremes to uh, to result in absurd situations. Right. And, and I think the, the thing here, I was talking about this with uh, my gaming group, and I think an important point to make here is it's stuff that's within the rules mm. without a DM intervention. It's not a house rule. Yeah. Uh, or it's it's actually, it's allowed by the book. They're kind of legally you know. allowed by a, a very literal reading. Of right. Tools. Yeah. Right. But it's not. But unless yeah. So unless the DM or the GM steps in and says, yeah, we're gonna let let's take a look at that. Like you could do it. You know, it's 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 basically finding loopholes. What I will add, strange is, interactions. Because I, I did search for all of these, and um, I know you searched for some too. So I've come up with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, about ten different rules exploits. Right. Uh, I have not actually tried any of these or like done a deep dive into any of them. So, right. Um, it might be. It might be that these things have been patched since, or they never really quite worked, or whatever. So you know, I might just sort of say, "Don't try this at home." But as far as as far as I know, these these exploits work if you have a DM that's going to let you get away with it. So how about we alternate? So we do one each, one at a time, and just work our way through. Does okay. Good? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah. So I, I'll start with the uh, peasant railgun. You mentioned it earlier. <laughs> it's, this one is such a great example. It, it's such a perfect example of, of it's in the rules, mm. but it's just mind-bogglingly yeah. ridiculous. So basically, this yeah. is a sort of a weapon of mass destruction you can make by <laughs> readying actions, and it only takes one combat round, six seconds to execute technically within the rules so you've got a ton of peasants so you've got a few thousand peasants 
and you line them up in a single file, making a massive sort of two-mile-long chain of peasants. And then um, you, you buy a ladder, and you take this ladder apart uh, into a bunch of rungs and a pair of big, uh, like, wooden poles, and you hand a pole to the peasant at the back of the line. So the combat starts. The peasant at the front of the line readies an action to throw the pole at the enemy. Uh, and every peasant in the line behind him readies an action to hand the pole to the peasant in front of him. So you've got like 3,000 odd peasants all with readied actions, which would all happen within that six second round. Uh, right. Uh, so the next round, the peasants all fire off their readied actions. So the pole travels two miles in six seconds, uh, which is a speed of 1,888 miles per hour or uh, about Mach 1.5. And uh, the the peasant at the front, <laughs> the front of the thing throws the pole a Mac one point five at his targets. And the best thing about it is, not only do you get to throw this pole at Mac one point five at your target, the way it's set up is the railgun can reloaded and fired in less than twelve seconds. Yeah, it's so you ridiculous. can just keep going as, far, as long as you've got a supply of ten foot ladders there. You could just right. have a stream of like. 10 foot poles just slamming into your target at Mach 1.5. Well, I think that the next time a Tarask menaces your, your, uh, your castle, this is the perfect, um, perfect weapon to take out the Tarask. So what did, I mean, I never saw when I was looking at what, what's the actual damage? Is it just like infinite damage? This um, I don't know if any, well, someone said, I read somewhere, where was it? It was, 300d6 it works out to about <laughs> it's just ridiculous uh, um, you work that out if you go with the falling object rules for 5e with uh, yeah. assume your wooden pole is seven pounds uh so you've got five to nine pounds per six foot does 2d6 damage making it do two miles in six seconds is 300d6 damage that is ridiculous. Uh, that's per so, turn, of course, because it's a railgun. You're feeding yeah, poles into yeah. this thing, so it's right. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, right. Do you want to? Do you want to do the next one then? I give you the bag of rats, and uh, I believe this is a three point five exploit. Uh, so much, so much stuff in three point five, which is still relevant because a lot of people are still playing three point mm. five. Uh, but it, he said, "Here's an exploit of several loopholes." The original is a fighter carrying around a bag of rats, mm -hmm. and we know how much we love rats, uh, with the purpose of throwing them at the enemy. So you're, you're literally just throwing rats at the enemy out of your bag. Mm -hmm. Then you use whirlwind attack to attack all the rats in one round. Uh, and then great cleave, you get a free hit at the actual enemy for each rat killed. <laughs> so you throw like, I don't know, five rats or something and, and you end up getting five great cleaves on, on an enemy. So, uh, and then there's, uh, there were several instances of carrying around a bag of either creatures or objects yeah. that you could throw out there and, and act on, you know, and, and exploit a feat or something like that. Uh, said a similar issue occurs in fourth edition with the warlock said some powers like Misty Step activate upon the death of a cursed enemy. <clears throat> said this could be exploited by carrying a bag of rats, cursing them, and killing them at the appropriate times in order to use Misty Step <laughs> at will. Yeah. 
So, and it says the player's handbook doesn't specify any way for a warlock to use powers like Misty Step outside combat, which could also result in using a bag of rats <laughs> to be able to perform it at any time. So, I, I, this one appeals to me because, you know, we talked last week how much we just enjoy a good rat smash. Yeah, <laughs> we did. Uh, yeah, so uh, in this one, you get to smash rats and exploit the rules. So, I, so I like there's a variation on this. Um, yeah. So this is again utilizes great cleave. So D and D three point five cleave meant you got one free attack mm-hmm. when you cleave through to another opponent. Great cleave mm-hmm. removes the limit. So that's the thing that lets you. It's, it's part of a feat chain. So you, you, you take cleave, you take great cleave, and then you can do that with a bag of rats because you can keep doing it. So great right. cleave um, in D and D three point five. Instead of having a bag of rats, you have a line of rats or kobolds or whatever, and it stretches across America. Or, um, you know, the Forgotten Realms or the Sword Whatever. Coast. Whatever, yeah, a lot. So it's a yeah, thousand right. mile line. And uh, <laughs> if you've got Great Cleave and you've got the uh, Knight Defender, you have no limit on cleaves from the Great Cleave. And also, the Knight Defender means uh, when you do when you do an attack, you get a free step with each attack. So what you're doing is you're starting at one end of the line. You slay the first kobold or rat, cleave into the next one, taking your free step, kill him, cleave into the next one, taking your free step, kill him, and you go right across America in one round, which means you're basically moving <laughs> at like several times, well, I don't know, like coming up to the speed of light or something is, right. you know. You're just, yeah, you're just this huge blade, yeah. just zipping along and just cleaving through i guess this this could come into play when the when the dm is like the portal opens and the unending hordes of the enemy yeah. stream out they're infinite you're like no problem and you just you just you just streak yeah. through them that's pretty there's another great. variation on it yep. which is the faster than light horseback travel yeah so um if you've got a this is again in three e's you've got a plus 19 ride modifier and you line a long row of horses side by side as far as you want to go, like across America again or whatever. So right. you can mount a horse as a free action uh, with a DC 20 ride check, which you can achieve automatically as long as you've got a plus 19 ride modifier. It means, you know, even if you roll a one, you're still going to make that check. So uh, you did plus 19 ride modifier. You mount your horse as a free action by making your automatically successful DC 20 ride check. You can dismount on the other side of the horse as a free action and then you can repeat as many times as needed moving along this row of horses uh because remember back in uh 3e you could have as many free actions per round as you wanted uh you can move right. along this row of horses basically at an arbitrarily high speed just mounting dismounting mounting right. dismounting mounting dismounting with dc 20 ride checks with your plus 19 ride modifier that's yeah. That's the we we need to come up with something that plays off galloping for that <laughs> the galloping something. Yeah, yeah. The, it's it seems like you know you were talking about um, you know they they fix things later. It, a, a lot of this stuff hinges on the free actions in third mm-hmm. edition or three point five or whatever you know. And if you if you give players unlimited free actions, oh they're going to take yes. them. I mean that play players. You know, players are going. If you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Exactly. So, exactly. yeah, exactly. So, um, all right. What's your next one? Well, this one's actually interesting. I didn't find this when you sent it in in your email, and I like this one because it's setting specific. It's the wand surge from Eberron. Okay. 
uh, your character should have the Wand Surge feat, and you've hopefully acquired a Wand of Unfettered Heroism with at least one charge left, or just cast it yourself, but that takes too long. If you have, then get yourself a Staff of Wishes. <laughs> you know, no problem. <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> get uh, with at least one charge left. Zap yourself with the Wand, which gives you a free action point every round for one minute. Use that action point every round with the wand surge feat to use a magic item without expending a charge. One minute equals 10 rounds, so that's 10 uses of the staff, staff of wishes without expending <laughs> a wishes. charge. Right, my next one, I like this one. The one punch halfling. <laughs> I like the one punch halfling. So, so um, from t- this is 3.5 again. I mean, these are pretty much most of them. There's a couple of 5e ones, but yeah, they're mainly. So many are 3.5. Uh, so, yeah. from Tome of Battle. There's a stance you can uh, take called Aura of Chaos, and this gives you exploding damage dice. So an exploding dice is when you roll the top number, uh, you get to roll it again and add that on. So you've got your exploding damage dice, and there's also a feat from Complete Champion relating to the luck domain that lets you treat ones rolled on damage like they're twos. So you've got these two. It just keeps going. Well, you've got these two things going on. Then you take a halfling. And a halfling's unarmed damage is 1d2. So he's only ever going to roll a 1 or a 2. If he rolls a 1, it becomes a 2 and it explodes. If he rolls a 2, it explodes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so either way, it's going to explode. So you put it all together, you roll your d2 damage. If it's a 2, it explodes. If it's a 1, you treat it as if you rolled a 2, therefore it explodes. Therefore, it repeats infinitely. And you do infinite damage with one punch. Okay, what's your next one? This was actually on your EN World mm. post. A user and Caligon uh, said, there, people were talking about all these different exploits in the math and all that. And he said, guys, guys, you're missing the big picture. He says, it's night. The moon is full. You look up at the moon. What do you see? A cube. And he says, in 5e, diagonals are the same distance as the side of the square. <laughs> a, a circle is, de- is defined as a shape where every point is equidistant from the center. If a diagonal has the same movement cost as moving in a straight line, following the lines of the grid on a square map, then a square is also a circle. Thus, the moon is a cube. <laughs> so, and that's a perfect example of, you know, extrapolating like combat mm. rules to apply to everything within the, within the world. So we, we have bizarre, you know, cause like bizarro world from the comics, uh, bizarro earth is a square. So in D and D, you have Bizarro Moon. Would so. <laughs> yeah, I take it like, but D and D characters can't see that. Yeah, they they they're, just, or they just like blank like, it out. It's like this perception filter over it. Either either that or they're like Lego characters where it just looks normal yeah, yeah. to them. Yeah, yeah, they just it doesn't even occur to them to to yeah. realize that it's that it's not. Normal. So one of the big famous ones is the locate city nuke, which is again a three point five one. I had never heard of that till researching for this, but it's crazy. It's a, it's a complicated one. Uh, and uh, I Googled it and I came up with like a million different explanations for it. I've taken this one off giant in the uh, playgrounds forums, but there's a whole load of them. So basically, um, D&D 3.5, you take Locate City, which is a spell, which is has a range of 10 miles per level. Uh, you apply snow casting, which makes it cold damage. And you apply Flash Frost, adding two cold damage to everything in the area. And you apply Energy Substitution to make it electric. 
You apply Born of the Three Thunders to change damage type and add a reflex save to avoid half the damage. Then apply Explosive Spell, forcing a reflex, reflex save versus being blasted to the edge of the area, taking 1d6 of damage per 10 feet travelled. So at the centre, it's 5,280d6 per level of falling damage. I mean, that's really, really complex. I just, I kind of lost track of it halfway through. I, I was just, I just had to read that out. It was, uh, it's basically, I, yeah. I think it's basically, I, I don't know. All right, what's your next one? Okay, so uh, this was, again, it was also linked on the post on the in-world, but I'm on uh, handbookofheroes.com, and uh, they're talking about the disguises. And and, and again, I, I believe we're back in third edition D&D, but... Your dis- the rule says your disguise check result determines how good the disguise is. Yeah. And if you don't draw any attention to yourself, others do not get to make spot checks. Okay. So there's a little cart there's a little cartoon here of like they're hanging out with a bunch of gnolls, and the players just have really obviously like little fake knoll hats on <laughs> hanging out. But since they're not drawing any attention the to themselves, don't get to make a check. The, yeah, they don't. They don't get to make a check. Yeah, so it's like basically I've put this uh, fake mustache yeah. on, and as as long as I don't do anything to draw attention to myself, nobody gets a spot check against me. So that was uh, that, and they call that one the uh, minimalist. Minimalist disguises <laughs> I like exploit. I, I, I like yeah. this one, the wireless troll. Yeah, I didn't see this one until you. This, email this kind of reminds like me of too. those, you know, those quantum entanglement conversations. Yeah, right. So basically, you've got right. a long journey, and uh, you need to communicate, and you're like a thousand miles apart, and it's a medieval fantasy thing, so you can't you can't phone them or anything. So you need a you need instantaneous communication. So you get a troll. Uh, and you take your troll, you chop off its finger, and you go off on your journey with that finger. And you're leaving the rest of the troll back at home with, you know, with your minions back in your castle or whatever. So you're a thousand miles away, mm-hmm. you got this troll finger, and your minions need to alert you to something. The quickest and easiest way to alert you to something is because a troll regenerates from its largest part. So at the moment, back at the castle, it's just regenerated its finger. And you're walking around with a spare finger. However, if they slice that troll up into tiny pieces smaller than a finger, suddenly the finger that you're carrying is now the largest part. So that will regenerate into a troll. <laughs> At which so, point you've received the. Me- <laughs> so, so yeah. So when the when the when the little finger starts regenerating. Uh, it's, so it's a poor man's stone of sending. It's, sending sort of, stone. yeah. It's so a it's like, signal, I suppose. Yeah. I know. It, you, see, you can't, you can't, yeah, you can't put like, any information in it, but you could just say, right, this is a signal. So as soon as the stoles, as soon as the troll starts yeah. regenerating from the finger, you know that you know that your minions so you know, are you know, like trying in Lord to of the Rings, where they did the beacons, yeah, and they had the long row right. of beacons <laughs> going all over. So what happens? What they need Ow. is they need at each castle one in was it Gondor yeah. and what was the other end? What was yeah. the other end? Yeah, Gondor and uh, oh, uh, Rohan, Rohan. Yeah, so at each castle, yeah. one in Gondor and one in Rohan, Rohan you have a troll and the the other troll's finger. So either of those two cities can now call for aid yeah. instantly just by chopping up the troll they've got. I really, I really want 
an alternate version of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the way now. they do that. <laughs> oh, okay. We should go next one. <laughs> this one is kind of interesting. I, I guess again, going back to third mm-hmm. edition, three point five. Um, the weight of a flask with holy water mm-hmm. is one pound, okay. and and the weight of an empty flask is one point five pounds. So the the so holy uh, water weighs the, negative. <laughs> so all these people started inventing ways to float using holy water. So, <laughs> it's like anti gravity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're talking about like holy water dirigibles. Wait, 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 and, what what and system is that? Is that five e? Yeah. Was that three point? That was three point oh. five. Uh, yeah. So uh, there's a uh, there's a Reddit thread that says being a horrible rules lawyer or how to inflict massive damage through exploiting the rules, <laughs> and, uh, and that one came up with that. Talking about a, a cobalt ascent to godhood. I, I don't know what. Pun pun. What exactly? Ah. Is. Oh, is it? I was going to leave it to last, the... but we'll do, let's do pun. So pun okay, pun no. is like the, the, probably the most famous example of this. So this okay. is kind of like, if you're going to break the system in 3.5, this is basically it. So basically. If you're going to break it, go all the yeah, way. So basically, you're able to create a, uh, a cobalt. I guess he doesn't have to be a kobold, but a kobold, and he can cast every spell and every psionic power at will. He has infinite stats and infinite hit points. Um, he has a divine rank of 30. Um, <laughs> uh, and he's called Pun Pun. Um, yeah. Um, so uh, it's quite a complicated um, way of doing it. So basically there's this yeah. uh, list of instructions on how to take your kobold and what, what he's got to take at each stage and, all, and stuff like that. Uh, but Yeah, I'm looking at it but, right now. But you just yeah. end up with Pun Pun, the mighty kobold, who's just like the most ridiculous, um, ridiculous character in the entire world. Uh, the instructions of it are like an entire page long though, so we can't really go too into too much. There's bits of it sort of like you grant yourself the Wujun spell, Gi- Wujen spell, Giant Size, as a spell-like ability uh, will. If you cast it on your familiar to the share spells ability, this increases the Viper to Colossal Size, granting the Viper a plus 32 size bonus to strength. For the average tiny vampire, that means his strength score went from 4 to 36. Using the Manipulate Form ability, the Viper then increases Pumpun's strength score permanently up to a maximum of 36, the Viper's own strength score. This is not a size bonus to strength. The Viper is using the ability of Manipulate Form to increase and decrease a creature's ability score no bonus is being given um so pun pun space strength score with no bonuses is now 36 pun pun dismisses the spell effect on the familiar and goes back <laughs> down to tiny size the familiar strength score goes back to four pun pun uses giant size on himself growing to colossal size and gains a 32 size bonus to strength his strength score is now 68 pun pun uses the manipulate form ability to directly increase the familiar strength score to 68 again not a size bonus that he's giving familiar He's increasing the base score to match his own. He dismisses his giant size effect. He goes back to a small size with strength 36. The Viper is still a tiny size with strength 68 now. The Vampire repeats the process of going to colossal size and increasing Pun Pun's strength score. Pun Pun does the same. The process is repeated over and over and over again until Pun Pun decides he is satisfied with his current strength score. <laughs> Can you see like some mad scientist doing this and Pun Pun's like, it hurt. Pun Pun hurts, master. <laughs> but that's... No more, but that's master. Just, that's just strength. 
<laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. I, there's multiple pages out here. Uh, there's a 1d4chan.org uh, uh, overview of Pun Pun. And then there's a D&D uh, wiki.com that really goes into it. Uh, and uh, up to and including how do I speed things up through like temporal acceleration, infinite action loop. Uh, and then there's a fact like, what if my DM won't allow divine minion? How do I get around? You know, there's all this crazy stuff. Um, and then, uh, there's also a build on this D and D wiki for nut pun, who is a rank one demigod squirrel. (laughs) So (laughs) here, here's my question on this, Mm -hmm. Russ. I love this kind of stuff. I really do. Oh, this this wiki also has the list of sources that you need to make it work. Like, which source books can you refer to to make pun pun work? Books, well, so, but, so, Serpent Kingdoms, complete book yeah. series, uh, the Divine Minion template, and Savage Species are the, are the books you need. Yeah, that's yeah. the ones you need. So, uh, it's it's just really ridiculous. But here's the thing. It's like a lot of the internet videos I see or stuff. As much as I respect this, who has the time to sit down and figure out? Is this all college students? I don't know. I mean, who has the time to figure this stuff out? Uh, yeah. Pun pun, the, uh, the infinite god of, of koboldness. But I'll tell you what, you know, the, uh, I think that's a good one to end on, honestly. I recommend people go look up pun pun just for the sheer ridiculousness yeah, of it. Yeah, we couldn't even possibly uh, begin I, to explain it. It's just... Yeah, it's just ridiculous, but it's a perfect example of just taking it to the absolute yeah. extreme uh, and making your case that, well, it's all by the well, rules. We'll, stick, we'll, stick a, we'll uh, just stick a link in the show notes, then people can pop on over and have a look at Pun Pun People themselves. definitely, they definitely need to see Pun Pun. But I've got this way of getting infinite wishes in 3E, a quick way. So uh, you yeah? get a candle of invocation um, that costs yeah. about eight and a half thousand gold. Um, you can get one of those. Uh, as long as your candle matches your alignment, so you've got to get a candle of invocation of your alignment, you can use its gate feature. And its gate feature uh, has a caster level of 17. So you can use this candle to gate in twice that, which is 34 hit dice of creatures. And they'll serve you immediately for 17 rounds without needing payment. So they'll do whatever you say for 17 nice. rounds. Uh, this destroys the candle. So you can only do it once, in theory. But no worries. What you gate in is an Afrit. Only 10 hit dice. Um, but amongst its spell-like abilities is to, once per day, grant up to three wishes. So you take your two wishes. You wish for wealth, mm-hmm. you wish for power, you wish for whatever you want. Third wish, you wish for a candle of invocation, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that goes back to the the thing, which that's safer because if you wish for more wishes on your yeah. third wish, like I said, but if you wish for a, a candle of invocation, I got somebody, I just got this response on Twitter is because I had pushed out, you know, a while, a uh, Friday or Saturday. I say, Hey, make any crazy games out there or game exploits. And GM Rick Sanchez said, go to the entire website, giant in the playground for the entire 2000s. Mm. Uh, and then, oh, Daryl. Daryl suggested uh, a, a Shadowrun one. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, he did locate Spell yeah. Nuke. And then let's see. If you want something non-D20, this is from Daryl. Mo- Your editor, Daryl. If you want something non-D20, there's a build-in Shadowrun known as the Pornomancer. <laughs> Do I want to read this? Uh, 
Using a very specific combination of spells, adept powers, bioware, decking programs, and other gear, you have a character whose dice pool for any social test starts at around 50 d6. And that's a lot. That's generation. high. Yeah. That literally means you're rolling 50 dice on a, on a roll uh, in, it, for successes. The reason it counts as a silly rules exploit, IMO, is because you can't do that with combat, decking, or magic builds because there are limits. Uh, they forgot to do that for social builds. <laughs> right, I interrupted no, you. I was, you I was saying. saying exactly that. Thanks, yeah. 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 Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, that's great. That, there's one other here I won't go into for time. I mean, we're already... Uh, but I, I recommend people look up. There's a... Uh, an exploit called 15 million gold mm-hmm. a day and it, and it requires a specific wizard build and it involves uh, summoning walls <laughs> of iron and, and stuff like that. But yeah. And, and then there's this great, uh, uh, I'll try to remember to send the, the link to Daryl, but the majority of the really good discussion on that one isn't so much how hard is it to make 15 million gold a day, it's what are the results of flooding the supply chain with that many well, well, whatever that you make yeah. out of the iron? Right. I think that's probably a good note to end the show then. After now we've totally, so. totally thoroughly broken D and D three point five. D and D. Yeah, it seems like three point five. And I mean, every game is open to exploits. They always every role playing game I've ever played that's been around for any time. People always have exploits or character builds or something that are ridiculous. But three point five seems like it was just. It was. It was kind way of. The, open, it was very much you know? the target. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Everybody went after it. Yeah. So uh, I just want to. Uh, looking forward to seeing Peter back with his perfect marmalade sandwich <laughs> build. Uh, see if he came up with a, a marmalade build that is breaks the rules to the extreme. And uh, thanks so much for um, allowing me the pleasure of of guest hosting for a couple of weeks. I, I enjoyed it. I very enjoyed much. it too. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Um, next week, when All Peter's right. back, we're going to be covering uh, Descent into Avernus. Finally, I mean, I know, Ooh, I know, I know, it came back, fun. came out yeah. about three or four weeks ago, but we haven't had a chance to do it yet because of yeah. Peter being away and uh, because it took ages for the book to get to me in the first place. So, all right, well, uh, Morris, have a great week. Thanks again for the opportunity, and uh, looking forward to hearing Peter yeah, back on the air. Thank you so much for coming on, Shane. Really appreciate you helping out and yeah, covering while Peter's away. Yeah, and no problem. I am so. sure I'll talk to you again very, 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 very soon. All right, I've got to go. Uh, I'm going to get on uh, eBay and see how 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 much it cost me to get two thousand peasants. <laughs> so. Well, as we established in the sketch not that long ago, farm hands aren't, yeah. aren't expensive at all. Yeah. <laughs> It does kind of tie in, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. So, all right. right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye.
Get out of here.